We are ready to go, ladies and gentlemen. How the hell is everybody doing today? My name is Nate, and this is Nate and Friends. And today we got part three and part four, okay, uh, of the little mini-series that I've been doing. And I'm going to get right into it. Like, I'm not going to waste any time. We're going to get right into it. So I'm going to get things together so that we can get this video going and watched. Okay, so like I said, we got part three and part four. Okay, so part three and part four, and we're going to watch both of those videos. All right, so let's go ahead and flip our screen. Here we go. We got the alien invasion part three. The migrant caravan that headed to the southern border of the U.S. in April 2018 was covered by the media big time. According to the official reports, these people came mostly from Honduras, where the caravan had started, and then people from Guatemala, El Salvador, Nicaragua and Mexico joined the march. The main reasons for them to flee their home country were gang violence and poverty. When I saw the first pictures, I was shocked. But then I realized there were just too many images of women and children, which is always a sign of media manipulation and a hidden political agenda. Always. Critical thinkers like the QAnon studied the pictures closely. Too many things did not add up. Like I said in part one, these people had to walk for 45 miles a day each and every day for one and a half months. But these people don't look exhausted. They're not dirty or sweaty. I mean, look at them. Their clothes are clean. Clean babies. Clean pants. They wear labels. They are well fed. These people aren't refugees. They're not poor. I traveled through Mexico, Guatemala and Honduras and I saw poverty. Believe me, these people are not poor. 45 miles a day on flip-flops? Are you kidding me? Or even barefoot? Come on, where are the blisters? And why aren't they carrying what is needed for a journey like that? Blankets, food, water. Where are the spare diapers? Some people do have small backpacks, but they appear to be brand new. So, what did happen? First of all, buses and vans were deployed to transport all of these people from Honduras to the US border. Flip-flops? No problem. You only have to get out of the van occasionally for a group photo. Next, in order to get as many people as possible, you pay them. Thanks to some alert anons, this was filmed on site. Then, in order to be efficient for the media, you give the main players a coloured wristband. Brilliant! Different colours have different meanings, all known to the reporters and the cameramen. Some people overact. Others are really convincing and make it to the World News Report. Meet Maria Meza and her five children, all the way from Honduras. 
She made it to every news item on TV, telling about her terror, the fear for her children, their eyes all wet and swollen due to the tear gas that the American Border Patrol so viciously threw at them. Well, Maria, there are a few flaws in your story. I've looked at every single picture of you and your beautiful girls. None of them show any signs of tear gas. This picture clearly shows that you are the only ones in action. The cameraman shoots away, completely unhindered by the gas. And there is no panic. Let's have a closer look at this picture. Cameramen are standing in a line of smoke, yet have no problem with that. Oh wait, look! Somebody is throwing a gas canister. Is that a fellow refugee? Maria told the press that her son went back the next day to get the canister and show it to the reporters. Shame on you, America! I do hope Maria was paid handsomely, I really do, but her story sucks. The family was photographed on another day, getting out of a van for yet another day's work in front of the camera. And the tear gas canister? You can buy them at any theatre prop retailer or you can use the police training variety. They produce white smoke, but no harm is done. I guess Trump's statement was correct. No tear gas was used on the children. The entire mainstream media coverage of this event was biased and flawed. My advice to the producers, next time pay more attention to the details, for the anons are on to you. Refugees who walk for thousands of miles do not walk like this. Or like this. They don't wear flip-flops. They don't have brand new pink buggies. They do not polish their nails. They don't wear iron shirts. Neither do they have perfect haircuts and makeup. When they say they flee their country because they're so poor they can't even buy food, don't show them with digital cameras and iPhones. Refugees who walk for thousands of miles are not clean. And for God's sake, pay attention to some of your supporting actors. And when you Photoshop someone into a picture, make sure you don't forget his leg. Oh, and make up your mind, will you? Do you want the shirt on or off? And what's with the Disney obsession? When you really want to know what's going on in the world, you have to do the research, just like Q keeps saying. And when you do, you will see what's real and what's not. The migrant caravan was a staged event with a political motive. Who was behind it? Who financed such a great event? George Soros. That's right, our great benefactor George Soros connected to the pedophile club NAMBLA and the rioting and violent Antifa and Black Lives Matter. How do we know he's behind all of these so-called social movements? Well, it's not really a secret. According to an analysis of his tax filings, he invested $33 million in the notorious Ferguson riots alone. Soros promised everyone who participated in the massive protests $15 an hour. In the case of the migrant caravan, all they had to do was play the part of poor refugees looking for a safe haven. Money, 
new clothes, food, toys, and an extra bonus if you play your part well. Who'd refuse a job like that? Soros made a mistake by not fulfilling his financial promises. So then we had more riots, this time by angry actors who demanded payment. Videos of Antifa members shouting, Soros, Soros, where's our money? went viral. Yet everything was hushed up by the mainstream media. So, what's his motive? Why would anyone invest so much money in these massive and well-organized movements? To destabilize a country. To create division. Division by skin color, by political wing, by religion, by gender. A divided people is easy to rule. A united people is not. Let's go back to the Q phenomenon. As we've seen in part two, Q strongly emphasizes the importance to unite. United we stand, divided we fall. Q portrays a better world without wars, treason and corruption. And whether you like it or not, the task to get there has been put in the hands of Donald J. Trump. Now, normally when I say this to people, I get the most vicious looks. Thanks to the mainstream media, the majority of the Dutch people believe Trump to be a narcissistic dictator. But hey, let's talk some facts here, shall we? Trump went to North Korea. He'll start a nuclear war, the media shouted. But he came back with peace. Six million new jobs have been created under Trump. Lowest unemployment rates since 50 years. More than 4 million people off for food stamps. Trump openly attacked Big Pharma. He created the biggest tax cuts ever for all social classes. He is the only American president ever to work for free. He signed an executive order to clean the oceans. Did you hear about that on the news? No. For some reason, the mainstream media have a political agenda of their own. But more about that later. From my point of view, one of the most important priorities of Trump is to protect the children. Right after his inauguration, he stated that his administration would focus on ending the horrific practice of human trafficking, also referred to as modern slavery. On December 21, 2017, he signed an executive order blocking the property of people involved in serious human rights abuse and corruption. More executive orders follow to protect victims of human trafficking. A huge campaign was deployed to educate parents and children about the dangers of human trafficking. Throughout 2018 and 19, many arrests took place. Thousands of child molesters were arrested. Thousands of victims were rescued. Trump keeps emphasizing that most victims are smuggled into the country through the southern border. He shows numbers, statistics. He made January Human Trafficking Awareness Month. He informed the people about MS-13, a criminal gang responsible for raping and killing many American citizens. He swore he would take them down to the last member. 
he keeps emphasizing the drugs problem and the billions of dollars plus the countless lives it costs each year. He keeps pleading for a wall, anything to reduce the drugs and human trafficking numbers as much as possible. But the mainstream media keep twisting his words, making it sound like immigrants aren't welcome. I've watched these interviews time and again, and I can assure you that according to President Trump, immigrants are most welcome, but they have to come in legally. The funny thing is, Bill Clinton wanted a wall. Obama wanted a wall. Hillary wanted a wall. They all voted for a wall when they were still in the Senate. I'm talking about the 2006 Secure Fence Act, passed by a Republican Congress and signed by President George W. Bush. It wasn't a problem back then, but now all of a sudden, Trump is an immigrant hater? The more I study the subject, the more I understand why Trump is bashing fake news. But more about that soon. Back to Trump's war against human traffickers. For years, whistleblowers at the highest levels have been stepping forward with testimonies about child trafficking for the elite. This is nothing new. It was just never dealt with until now. The thing is, when I talk about this in my presentations, people don't want to hear about it. They don't want to look at these pictures, which I understand. I would rather look away as well. But that reminds me of the famous one-liner of the Germans right after World War II. After being confronted with a painful question, how could you let the Nazi atrocities happen? Why didn't you do something? The answer was always, wir haben's nicht gewusst. We didn't know. Of course they knew. It was just too painful and too dangerous to acknowledge it and to do something about it. Well, I will not look away any longer. These kids are not helped by our denial, they are helped by our action. So for God's sake, keep watching. We are the only hope they have left. Child trafficking for the elite. That is bigger than pedophilia. We are talking about a huge criminal organization kidnapping children and selling them to high-ranking officials from mayors, judges, and senators to presidents and even royalty. Do you think this is far-fetched? Do you think it's just a conspiracy theory? Get ready for some conspiracy facts in part four. All right, guys. So we are, that was part three. Uh, very interesting, very interesting stuff. And look, I mean, when you kind of watch everything and, you know, I mean, uh, I know there's a lot of left-wing liberals out there that if they see this, they'll be like, oh, that's not true. That's not true. He's such a bad person. He's such a racist. He's such a racist person. But I don't know. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe you should do some research and really look up some facts. So we're going to jump into part four and I'll see you guys after that. So here's part four. We got the child lovers everywhere, part four, and let's jump right into it. In 2010, right after the devastating earthquake, 33 children were smuggled out of Haiti. The woman who was arrested, Laura Gayla Silsby, said they were orphans who were about to be adopted in the US. 
Upon investigation, however, it turned out most of these children were not orphans. They were later reunited with their parents. Furthermore, there were no adoption papers to be found. These kids had simply been abducted, stolen from their parents. Who exactly is this Laura Galas Silsby? First of all, she was on the board of directors of Alert Sense, the company that provides the technology for Amber Alert. Amber Alert is the broadcast emergency response to recover abducted children. Isn't that an interesting paradox? A convicted child trafficker? Yes, she was found guilty and convicted. Connected to Amber Alert? Set up to rescue children? Secondly, this lady is the founder of the Baptist organization New Life Children's Refuge, an orphan rescue mission for Haiti. Sounds to me like she had a ways to smuggle children out of the country real easy. Nice cover. Last but not least, she's a close friend of the Clintons, who immediately paid for a lawyer, Jorge Puello, who himself is a convicted pedophile. He was arrested and convicted for leading an international human trafficking ring involving women and children. All of this came out into the open thanks to WikiLeaks that published the secret emails between the Clintons and Laura Gayla Silsby. Let's continue with Haiti some more before moving on, shall we? Haiti was put in the limelight once again with the Oxfam scandal. Oxfam, known for its shops throughout the world for empowering women and for fighting poverty, was banned from Haiti following the 2010 earthquake. There were orgies with prostitutes, some of which were underage. In other words, with children. Leaked emails further confirm that $3 million were diverted from Haiti in relief funds via the Clinton Foundation to pay for Chelsea's extravagant 2010 wedding. When Trump called Haiti a shithole, the whole world went mad. But he was right. What he referred to was what the so-called non-profit organizations had turned the island into after the earthquake. The Red Cross collected half a billion dollars for Haiti and all it did was build six houses. The Clinton Foundation ruthlessly misappropriated the earthquake donations from international donors and got away with it. Klaus Eberwein, a former government official of Haiti, due to testify about the Clinton corruption, was found dead with a bullet in his head only days before the trial on July 12, 2017. Monica Peterson, the young social anthropologist who went to Haiti to investigate human trafficking on the island and who tweeted some critical thoughts about the Clinton Foundation, was found dead by hanging shortly after, in November 2016. Her death was ruled suicide. And when surgeon Dr. Dean Lorek openly vented his disgust about the corruption by the Clinton Foundation that he himself witnessed while trying to save lives on the island, he too ended up dead. In December 2017, he was found on the bathroom floor of his apartment in New York with a knife in his chest. His death too was ruled suicide. But hey, let's not dwell on the many suicides surrounding the Clintons. Let's go back to one of Q's often repeated sentences. Symbolism will be their downfall. In 2007, 
the FBI released a bulletin with symbols used by pedophiles to identify their sexual preferences and to communicate where to find both each other and their prey. The blue triangles identify boy lovers, the pink hearts are for girl lovers and the butterflies for child lovers in general. These pedophile logos will indeed be their downfall. They are in plain sight for they never thought people would wake up and see. And just like we saw with Amber Alert, it's the organizations that claim to protect children that actually use pedophile logos. For instance, the International Adoption Clinic, New Star Kafala, a Muslim adoption and child advocacy agency. This is their logo for their HOPE program, helping orphans progress emotionally. Then there's the Pacific Crest Trail Association. It changed its logo in July 2017 after the pedophile connection in the capital A was discovered by the public. Now, I'm not saying these organizations are proven pedophile dens. I'm merely pointing out the interesting choice of logo, which of course could be totally based on coincidence. This logo eerily resembles the boy lover symbol. It was used by the Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation, set up by the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, in honour of his father. This logo was on the 2015-16 annual report. Then there's Alpida, a Canadian refuge charity. Alpida was founded by the Radcliffe Foundation, set up and owned by Frank Dustra. Now, apart from the interesting choice of logo, there are a few things about Mr. Dustra that fascinate me. First of all, he's a major sponsor to the Clinton Foundation. We're talking $100 million and more. He loved going to Haiti with the Clintons. And he founded the Boys Club Network for boys between 12 and 18, seeking connection and mentorship. His co-founder is Jim Crescenzo a teacher from Vancouver who received an excellence award from none other than Justin Trudeau. Now, once again, I'm sure this is just coincidence. But what is it that Q keeps saying about coincidence? How many coincidences before mathematically impossible? For someone who claims to be a decent family man, Justin Trudeau sure has some interesting friends. Take Christopher Ingvaldson, a Canadian private school teacher convicted for the possession and distribution of child porn. For many years, he was Trudeau's friend and roommate. Then there's his best friend, Peter Dalglish, the world-renowned humanitarian who was caught in the act in Nepal with two children aged 12 and 14. He was the founder of Street Kids International and the Trails Youth Initiative Programme. Now, I'm sure these programmes do great things for kids, but why choose pedophile logos? And why are so many set up by registered and convicted pedophiles and sex offenders? I mean, if you're a pedophile, wouldn't it be great to have your own child protection program? To have access to all those lovely children to pick from? Mind you, these children often come from troubled backgrounds. Some have criminal records. Many suffered from neglect and abuse in early childhood. Easy prey and no concerned loving parents to protect them. I mean, look at CPS, the Child Protective Services. 
exposed in 2007 for legally kidnapping and selling children for adoption out of foster care. The lady who exposed them, Congresswoman Nancy Schaefer, was murdered in 2010. Now back to Trudeau's interesting best friends. Here we have Ben Levin, former Deputy Minister of the Ministry of Education, arrested and convicted in 2013 for making and distributing child pornography. Then there's Jan Gomeshi, the Canadian CBC radio host, arrested and charged in 2015 with seven counts of sexual assault and one count of overcoming resistance by choking. Now, I don't know about this, but if I were Trudeau, I'd be more careful selecting my friends. He is surrounded by registered pedophiles and sex offenders. There's another prominent place where the FBI symbols of pedophilia can be found, in Hollywood. We briefly saw in part one that children cartoons contain references to sex and violence. Doesn't that make you wonder who Walt Disney really was? Why are children exposed to Illuminati symbols, such as pyramids and the all-seeing eye, time and again? And why are pedophile logos used for candy and ice cream, yet another thing that attracts children? The more I dived into this topic, the more I realised to what extent this had actually drenched our society. Top directors such as James Gunn, who openly and proudly tweet about being a pedophile. I guess this is normal in Hollywood? He was fired over these tweets, rightly so one would think, but only a few weeks later he was back at work. Out through the front door, back in through the back door. Nickelodeon's producer Dan Snyder lost his job because he couldn't keep his hands off of young girls. And here we have Brian Peck a convicted child molester who only spent 16 months in jail, after which he was offered a job right back with Disney, where he continued working with underage girls. Once again, out through the front door, back in through the back door. Jason James Murphy kidnapped and sexually assaulted an eight-year-old boy in 1996. He served five years in jail, moved to California, used his shorter name, Jason James, and became a casting agent for child actors. The list of sexual predators in Hollywood is endless. Only recently were some of them called out by their victims and arrested. Most victims never dare to speak up, for their predators are absolute legends in Hollywood. Actor Corey Feldman was one of the first to speak up about child abuse in Hollywood. He and his best friend Corey Haim became actors at a very young age. They were incredibly successful and famous, but the price was high. They were sexually abused by various adults they worked with. It was common knowledge that the two Corys were passed around at Hollywood parties. They resulted in great trauma that was buried for many years. The two Corys sought relief in alcohol and drugs, which eventually led to Corey Haim's death at the age of 38. It wasn't until recently that Corey Feldman called out his abusers. Elijah Wood, who became world famous for his part as Frodo in The Lord of the Rings, supported Corey Feldman's statements about Hollywood as a pedophile den. 
Elia was protected by his mother, who wouldn't let him visit any of the parties where a lot of the abuse took place. World-renowned actors such as Robert Downey Jr. and Brad Pitt also stepped forward to support all of these statements. If you think that sounds crazy, wait till you hear Mel Gibson. The world-famous megastar, both as actor and producer, was blacklisted by Hollywood for stating that Hollywood is a den of parasites who feast on the blood of kids. He took it a whole lot further. Read for yourself. Could this be true? Eating babies? Drinking their blood? Will this have a happy ending? Oh yes. Let's move on to part five. Okay, so... Very interesting stuff there. Super interesting. I mean, uh, do I believe um, the whole pedophile thing is sick? Uh, you know what? I have no, I have no remorse for anybody who who's who's any kind of a pedophilia at all. That fucking chick is fucking sickening. All those people, they, they you know they deserve to die. They they just they do. They deserve. To, to die. I mean, you know, look, man, those are those are sick people. Um, interesting things, interesting stuff. And I know, you know, when you watch this, you you know, you think, oh, it's conspiracy theorists and things like that. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you got to have an open mind. You know, have an open mind. Maybe go research this stuff for yourself and see what you find. Uh, see what you find out about the stuff that you heard, hear, or seen in the video. Um. And, you know, see what you find. Uh, this is a 10-part series. Uh, so you've seen part one and part two. You've now seen part three and part four. Uh, and we will have part five and six coming up, and then seven and eight, and then nine and ten. And this will be a neat little mini-series here. So I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this episode. And I appreciate you guys for listening and watching. And I will see you guys uh, on the next series. Thank you guys for watching or listening to Nate and Friends. If you did listen to Nate and Friends, head over to YouTube, search us up, and you can see the video. I appreciate you all so very much. If you haven't already, please subscribe, ring the bell, uh, follow us on all of our social medias. I appreciate it, and I will see you guys on the next two episodes.